Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. For the past year, you might say that all Americans develop some level of expertise in epidemiology and public health. The newspapers, the television, our social media accounts, they flashed public health data across our screens every morning, every evening during the pandemic, showing the number of cases, number of tests being delivered, percent of population that had been vaccinated. Health information exchanges, or HIE, are an essential part of the infrastructure needed to quickly send and collect health data. Today, there are dozens of HIEs across the country. And here to tell us about health information exchanges is our guest today, Lisa Barry, CEO of Chic, the Strategic Health Information Exchange Collaborative. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for WEDI, that's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Today, as I said, we are honored to have Lisa Berry, CEO of Chic. Lisa was previously the Health IT and Interoperability Lead at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, in CMS's Innovation Center. She helped write the CMS Interoperability and Patient Access Rules. Lisa and I actually uh, share the same geographic history. We both went to undergraduate school in California. We attended the same university for graduate school, and we both worked for CMS at a time. Uh, The only slight difference is the decades in which we did those things, uh, but I'm kind of showing my age here. Hello, Lisa. Uh, you're coming to us to talk to us about HIE's a great time. Uh, we hopefully are, are watching this pandemic in our rear view mirrors, so we're very happy to have you on our show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. And um, I don't know if it's that many decades different. I appreciate the uh, the unsaid compliment, though. <laughs> well, notice, notice, notice I didn't say whose decades, <laughs> decades, but yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It's very kind. So I touched on a few things uh, from your past. Uh, you were a regulator with CMS, uh, but maybe you can talk a little bit about your journey uh, and where it started and, and how you came to be uh, what I'd say is a healthcare leader. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so, you know, I started my career in digital marketing um, and, you know, I was really drawn to the data side of marketing. At the time, we called it data driven marketing. Then it became growth hacking and everything else in between. But folks have been working in marketing for a long time. Just understand it to be using data to help make better decisions to communicate or market a product or service. And, you know, in that work, which at the time was rarefied and is no longer, it's now the way that business is done. Um, you know, it, it really it really helped me understand uh, just the, the world of technology ultimately brought me into building, um, you know, building up companies that were software as a service and getting into the technology space. And through that, I came into healthcare, into health IT. Um, and, and I and I worked for a time at a now infamous EHR called Practice Fusion, um, and I was I was a marketing leader there. 
and kind of left with a, a sort of full of, of startup burnout, but really, really fascinated by the health policy aspects of what we we're working on, which at the time, of course, was meaningful use. Um, and that was an attempt to bring, you know, doctors onto using electronic health records to moving the, the, the healthcare sector towards EHRs, towards the using electronic health information and, um, and sort of moving the entire sector in that way. Um, of course, uh, doctors and clinicians and other providers uh, were really, really anti-meaningful use and did not enjoy the aspect of sort of moving towards EHRs. And I was really trying to understand why. For me, it seemed totally obvious, right, this idea of, okay, you know, we should be using computers and healthcare as well, obviously. Um, what's the problem? And then, of course, um, by digging into that a little bit more, I started to learn about the policies and the quality programs. And I thought, I want to go do that. I want to make those better. How can I get into this world? And so I ended up going back to school to get a, a Master of Public Health with a focus on health policy and public health leadership. And I really thought I'd be going back into the startup world, like going back to digital health and trying to implement the things I learned to help make the policies better, to sort of enable that two-way communication between technology innovators, uh, doctors, physicians and clinicians, and the government who makes sort of the quality regulations and, and, and make that whole process better. Instead, I ended up going directly into the government and working at the CMS Innovation Center, which was really just an invaluable experience. But that, of course, changed my entire perspective, being on the sort of government regulator policymaking side. Very interesting. Very interesting. What I think is interesting, too, is uh, starting your, your, your origins are in marketing, which, you know, when I think about marketing, it's, a, it's all about how to tell a story. Right. And, and joining that with data and, and probably moving from data to information to useful, you know, what you can use. Right. I imagine there is an overlap there, not only in terms of how you explain things to people about what you're doing from a policy perspective, but also like that's what you need to do with data. Right. Data is really just there right. to tell story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess I think, um, you know, I, when I look back, I, I certainly was and am still in many ways a marketer. But I do think that communications in all of its forms is really critical for anything in the public policy arena. You have to be able to tell a story. You have to be able to back it up. And you have to be able to sort of understand that it, even if you're doing the best, most amazing work in the world, if you can't communicate it effectively, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, lawmakers, regulators, your partners, your customers, your stakeholders, they all need to get that information, you know, delivered to them in a way that's palatable, easy to understand, that makes sense, and that tells that story. Very good, very good. And they need to be able to use it meaningfully, right? As, right. as we used to say, right? So a long-standing joke in the meaningful use community. Right, right, exactly. It's not meaningful, it's not useful. <laughs> So uh, let's back up a bit. What is an HIE? What is a health information exchange? Right. I mean, well, another a joke in the HIE community is if you've seen one HIE, you've seen one HIE. Um, so, of course, uh, HIE sort of developed as the at the most basic level, the pipes between EHRs and other health information systems. Right. So one of the simplest ways to think about it is sort of the infrastructure that is like a utility I live here in Baltimore. We have Baltimore Gas and Electric. They are our gas and electric utility, and they lay the pipes, roughly speaking, that bring gas and electricity to my house sometimes. 
it's Baltimore, so the answer is really sometimes. <laughs> um, but with uh, Health Information Exchange, like also here in the state, we have the uh, statewide HIE called CRISP. You know, they have the, the pipes, the infrastructure to move health information around the state. So I personally have seen many different uh, physicians, clinicians, and other providers in the state. And because of CRISP, my data also moves around between different closed systems, between EHRs from one doctor's office to a hospital, to another provider, to the audiologist, to whomever, right? So um, they really are, are providing that infrastructure that moves the health data around to follow me wherever I go. Um, now, again, as I said, HIEs are all different. They're not all statewide. They're, some of them only serve specific communities. Some of them only serve specific systems. They function differently, but fundamentally, this concept of HIEs being the utility that moves your health data around is a good one to understand the broad sort of space. Very and good. So we say that each chic HIE member, we are also like Weedy, we're also a, a collaborative that represents uh, different members. We have uh, more than 75 HIE members, and they serve uh, more than 92% of the US population. Uh, they're sort of nonprofit vendor neutral, and they have a multi-stakeholder governance model, meaning that they are governed by uh, their stakeholders, by providers, by payers and plans, sometimes by employer representatives, sometimes by patient groups or patient representatives, different folks who are part of their, uh, their stakeholder group. And some of them are also governmental organizations or quasi-governmental organizations, depending on what's happening in the state or region or community where they come from. So, they provide those services of moving health data within a specific state or geographical region or community. So that's fascinating, actually. And I, I like the analogy of thinking about it as a, as a utility. So as a utility, you said that 92%, uh, given your chic members, uh, that covers 92% of America. So can we assume that most or all of America has some HIE that can serve their purpose? I mean, in other words, it is like gas and electric that it has reached at least to everybody in America. Everybody's got electric and water, right? And so can the same be said that that these HIEs have reached throughout America? They definitely have reached throughout America, but the level um, and the concentration of data they have really varies. And that just depends on things like, is exchange with the HIE mandated in the state? Do they have high coverage? Um, are there is there is there some particular reason why providers feel like they have to exchange it or want to exchange data? So in Maryland here, for example, CRISP, the HIEA mentioned, um, they are sort of written into the state's operations around healthcare. So it's all but mandated for uh, health information to flow through CRISP. That's not the case everywhere. I can tell you that in California, for example, that has multiple HIEs. All those HIEs together are working with some of the large insurance payers and plans to try and get there to be a mandate because it makes sense, right? To say, hey, um, you know, if you are uh, if you're a, a, a provider, a physician, or a clinician who accepts uh, Medicaid in California, Medi-Cal, um, you should be using the HIE because that will be that will allow you access to the longitudinal patient records of all the people you see, so you can get all of their information and better identify care gaps um, and figure out how to help people 
by having more of their information relevant to their care. So you see progress is different across different areas. Some states have a mandate. Some states have really high participation. Some have lower participation. Some have multiple HIEs. It really just depends. Again, there's a lot of diversity across the country. Hmm. Um, one more question on that a utility analogy. We all see that water every morning because we take a shower or a bath. We see that electricity when we flip on the light. Where would we see um, the the what is flowing through the pipes of these HIEs? Yeah, I mean, up until now, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later as well. You know, patients haven't generally directly interfaced with HIEs. Um, I think what you would see most likely for me in my case is I'll go to the doctor and they'll say, "Oh, I see that you had this imaging study done." Um, X number of years ago with this other physician and this other office. And in that case, they're able to pull up the records either from the electronic health record or through an integration with the HIE and the electronic health record. So they're able to see the other data about other things that were relevant to my care in the past because of an integration with the HIE in most cases. Very good. Very good uh, uh, description too. And so um, so here's Chic, and Chic is made up of different uh, types of organizations, all kind of right. uh, providing the same kind of utility, different participation rates. Um, what is what are you most excited about what Chic is doing now? Yeah, yeah. So it's a great question. What I've described so far is really just clinical data exchange, just sort of you know bread and butter clinical data exchange, the the baseline. And that, to me, is really the baseline of what an HIE can do. Um, what's really exciting is HIEs going from being just the pipes to being organizations who do more with that information in partnership with providers, in partnership with payers and plans, in partnership with states and public health. Um, that's where we get into the really exciting stuff that's starting to really evolve and, and, and come into play now. Um, I think, you know, five to 10 years ago was like the clinical data exchange sort of time frame for HIEs. And now we see organizations evolving along with the trends in the market, along with funding, along with regulation, with laws and regulation around interoperability and health data exchange. So it's a very exciting and, and different kind of time. So the other stuff that HIEs do, right, it's quite broad ranging. Again, I, I said that, you know, you've seen one HIE, you've seen one HIE. The same is true for uh, this new period of time. You have some HIEs really focusing on expanding into the social determinants of health. They're integrating with, um, you know, community-based referrals organizations, with CBOs in their regions, with, uh, you know, referral, electronic referral providers. They're doing that kind of work. There's also HAs who are doing really in-depth work with states and public health entities, in particular in connection to the pandemic, right? I think that's a really important point. We have amazing examples from the last year around things like integrating with COVID lab reporting, helping with case investigations and contact tracing, um, building infrastructure, providing information for syndromic surveillance. Um, we have a lot of examples around vaccine distribution administration, and then also work supporting states in hospital capacity and supply management. So you really have a, a lot of new stuff happening in the public health arena that had already begun pre-pandemic, but of course, uh, you know, greatly expanded over the last year and change. So good. So let's touch on, let's let's uh, stop for a second with the pandemic. Um, uh, on the one hand, 
it seemed like there was an amazing amount of information being collected and supplied and communicated, uh, meaningfully communicated to the, the population about where the, the COVID was, where, where the states or even the towns or cities that were getting spikes and which ones were doing better. Uh, on the other hand, um, there was a lot of complaint, complaints about the data as well. Uh, hospitalizations uh, seems to be to have been a particular problem where you had no idea at the beginning how hospitalizations were going and then things seemed to get better. But even then, it was never real time. It was dependent on, you know, whether re- hospitals were reporting or not. Lots of lots of issues. So um, maybe you can describe of like what HIEs, uh, what they contributed to getting that information and out. And for the next pandemic, I didn't say that, but for to prepare us for whatever the next health, public health issue might be, what do we need to do better? And maybe it's not just the HIEs, but in general, Mm. to get that public information out. Yeah. So without going too deep into politics, I guess I would say (laughs) that, I guess I would just say that, you know, the stance of Sheik and the stance of HIEs broadly, not speaking on behalf of anyone specifically, is that, you know, we should really work to build on the infrastructure that is already there in states and regions and communities. Also, there's been a huge public investment in these health IT systems, both through the High Tech Act and high tech funding for health information technology, and also through Medicaid systems and Medicaid technology funding. So these are huge areas of public investment that we should make sure that we reuse and that we can you know, build upon versus rebuild from scratch. And that's what happens when you come in and say, you know, I'm going to create a totally new national system. It's going to be perfect. It's going to collect information from everybody in every state and community and, and city, et cetera. Um, that doesn't work <laughs> because we have, you know, 50 states and I think 14 territories. And, you know, they're all different and they have different you know, preferences, different types of infrastructure, different players. That's why we think it's really important to build on what's already there and what's been developed in collaboration and partnership with those communities. So in the situation where you say, okay, I need to get I need to get updated daily frequent information about hospitalizations, hospital capacity. My preference would have been and I think the preference of those providers, those hospitals and suppliers um, and, and, and health systems in those states, I think that they would have preferred to say, can you hook into something I'm already exchanging data with? In this case, in most cases, it would be an electronic health record system or an HIE. I think that would have been a more expedient and successful way of achieving those aims. And broadly, I would say, what can we do to build on the infrastructure already there versus trying to rebuild or apply sort of one system on the top that's sort of a top-down federal to uh, state and regional system? We think build on what's there. Very good. Um, Thank you, Lisa. So when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Lisa Barry, CEO of Chic. For now, let's take a quick break and hear from our producer, Michael McNutt. We Need 2021, our annual spring conference showcasing health IT best practices and emerging trends is coming soon and it's all virtual. May 14th and 17th is our pre-conference with sessions on prior authorization, a special showcase on HL7's DaVinci project, and our vendor demo day. May 18th, 19th, and 20th, join us as we discuss burden reduction, health equity, digital ID, and much more. Register online at weedy.org and enter the code PODCAST to receive 20% off our registration rates. Weedy 2021, pre-conference May 14th and 17th, main conference May 18th through the 20th. 
We're back, and we're talking with Lisa Berry, CEO of Chic, the Strategic Health Information Exchange Collaborative, on another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. So just before the break, uh, Lisa, you're talking about building on what is already there. We've seen a lot of uh, COVID relief packages. Um, looks like the administration's got a lot of stimulus, jobs acts, families acts coming up. Um, do you see or have you seen any funding come in uh, to improve that infrastructure that's there already? Or do you expect any in the near term from what you're seeing uh, being reported? Yeah, so, you know, a broader theme in sort of funding for health IT and, and health information exchange issues is sort of you're moving from this period, this past decade of funding under the High Tech Act, um, which was sort of 90-10 funding between states and the federal federal government and states, rather, uh, that provided pretty flexible a pretty flexible way for states to work with HIEs to build up their health IT and HIE infrastructure. Um, those days are now pretty much almost over, and we're moving into a phase of uh, you know getting access to funds that are are earmarked for uh, data modernization. And those data modernization funds are tied to the CDC for public health purposes, and also to states through um, Medicaid technology work. And so it's really important to think about how we can build things with states that are really going to stand the test of time, that are going to build on what's already there, and are going to really be useful and new and, you know, move us into the next stage of HIE as a public health utility. Um, so, so that's really, it's definitely a change. Um, and I think that it will be, um, you know, really interesting to see if states and public health uh, departments and public health uh, folks are able to sort of get on board and work with uh, HIE leaders in their states, regions, and communities to really build uh, new technology that moves them into the 21st century. We saw the need for that uh, really, uh, really intensively over the last year. There were so many gaps, there were so many holes, and most of them had to do with sort of data information flowing to the right place at the right time. And it's interesting because you're touching on uh, what's been a, a national conversation here is what does infrastructure mean? And this mm -hmm. seems like a key, right? A key part of our infrastructure. It's not roads or bridges. It's uh, it's not necessarily electrical grids and gas pipes. It's also data exchange pipes. So we're back to our analysis. Absolutely. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to jump in on the meme, on the internet meme and say HIE is infrastructure. And that's not even a stretch. HIE is critical infrastructure for moving health data around. Right. Very good. And you're not even joking. So that's great. That's <laughs> great. Um, uh, and uh, so that's the funding part and maybe the, the, the idea of government support. What do you see the role of either state or federal uh, regulations in setting up requirements? Uh, is there a part of that that would, would push uh, HIEs forward? Or is it the kind of thing where it's better done if it's remained voluntary and government kind of stays away for a bit? I think, again, it's really, really based on the preferences of the local communities. It's really important to understand that, you know, not every state is the same. The healthcare community is not the same. Um, and that's what really makes HIEs, in my opinion, really strong. Um, the ones that are sort of connected to their local communities, to their regions and states that were set up with those stakeholders being part of the governance model that allows them to be truly useful to those local areas, to those communities, regions, and states. So I'm, I, I'm hesitant to say that there should be sort of one requirement 
or one way of doing things. I have my preference, which is that I do think that, you know, mandates and things that are tied to funding from the state or the federal government are really helpful. Um, but I also don't want to say that a state or a region or a community that thinks that they don't want to do any mandates and it's got to be totally voluntary, they should also be able to build what works for them. So that's kind of my my, my preference is to say it has to be uh, something that works with the stakeholders for that HIE. Yeah, interesting. And, and I think you're also coming from the school of if you are going to set up requirements, then have the funding behind it, like kind of the meaningful use model of uh, there's a carrot uh, for what you're doing, right. although not everybody would say the meaningful use was a carrot, but uh, <laughs> well, a lot a lot of money flows to some people. Uh, I can say that for sure. So I, I do think it's important to tie things like standards and technology to funding. And when we say funding, we usually mean federal funding, right? So the federal government funds sort of big infrastructure projects, that money flows down to states, then flows down to other stakeholders. And in this case, I'm very much on board with the federal government saying, here are the standards um, for interoperability. Here is the way that we're going to exchange data. For example, uh, you know, in all of the interoperability rules, the government is really aligning around uh, fire-based APIs. Great, I'm totally for that. Put funding behind that, you know, provide sort of an onboarding period. Um, that's great. Uh, but I think that it, it needs to be tied to something like funding and incentives, um, but not necessarily mandated uh, from one day to the next. Uh, states don't have uh, da data systems that can be updated from one day to the next. It takes a long time. So you've got to have room for sort of the onboarding period or the on-ramp for, for the adoption of those standards and technology. Very good. Um, so as a healthcare leader, um, where do you see healthcare in five to 10 years? Or maybe another way of asking that question, what are your aspirations? What are your hopes uh, where healthcare will be for, for all the work that you're doing? How, where do you want it to end up? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's two ways of looking at this. And I've had some great conversations with friends and colleagues in this area recently. You know, you can think about incremental change, uh, stacking incremental change on top of each other, right? A 5% thing here, a 2% thing here. Maybe it guesses where we want to go. But I would say our healthcare system needs absolutely bold and transformative change at this point. I don't think that we can do sort of the small things anymore. I think we have to think bigger. And so I'm really interested to see what the new administration does. But I also think we have to look towards other forms of innovation. Um, you know, just sort of talking with my friends on Twitter about um, the creation of a health advanced projects uh, research agency, like a, a DARPA for health, right? What can we do that's really large? What can we do that really has a lot of funding and authority and the ability to make bigger change? So I'm actually on board for much bigger change. I think we have to make uh, the exchange of health information totally obvious and clear and available to everyone. You would automatically expect that your health data will follow you to any doctor or provider or supplier. Um, really, uh, that, 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 that is just something that uh, the, the patient, the consumer, um, the physician, any other clinician expects and requires to do business. I've got to be able to see what somebody has had before or where they've been, what their test results were, what they need, their social status, things that are relevant for their care. I need to be able to predict um, and anticipate and head off the next pandemic. Those are things we have to be able to do with health data. And so it's really, really important um, that we think about um, 
what does the world want to create and not be held back by things that have happened in the U.S. health system before. I, I'm on the side of, of actually bold change at this point. I, I No more piecemeal, uh, small changes stacking up on each other. <laughs> No more, no more baby steps. Huh? No more baby steps. We, it's time. It, the pandemic. I, I'm sure this has been said a million times at this point, but you know this has to be a wake up call for us in the healthcare sector broadly. It has to be a wake up call. Great. Well, uh, that might be a good place to end. Uh, do you want to tell uh, listeners um, any resources you'd like to direct them to, either about HIEs or anything we've talked about today? Yeah, we're hoping to have some, you know, great, really exciting news to share soon. So you can check out our website at um, strategichie.com. Um, and then also we have a conference coming up. Our Chic 2021 conference is um, on August 15th to August 18th in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are trying really hard to put on a hybrid conference. So folks who have been vaccinated and feel feel comfortable sort of attending in person, we're gonna have an in-person event and we're also gonna have a virtual experience as well for anybody who can't make it, it doesn't wanna travel, isn't yet allowed to travel for work. Um, and, and we're hoping to make those um, two good experiences to really work together. So hope that your, your listeners will join us um, that, again, will also be on our website at strategichie.com. Terrific. Well, good luck with, good luck with the hybrid conferences. I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> to see, you know, because you'll be a pioneer. You'll be one of the first that's kind of rolling this yep. out. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes and which parts worked and which parts didn't, right? So Yeah, we're, we're very excited. We, we have, some, have some stuff in store. We hope we can do it. Um, we'll see and would love to have people join us. Good. Very good. Well, we'd hope to have you back uh, and you can give us an update on HIEs and tell us how the uh, hybrid conference went. Uh, thank you, Lisa. appreciate you having you on the show. Thanks so much. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast. It's been a great discussion with Lisa Berry, CEO of Chic, the Strategic Health Information Exchange Collaborative. This has been a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.